Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Bibles, turn to John 11. John chapter 11. Um, the issues that you're having right now have everything to do with your faith walk in God. Now, before you start freaking out on me and passing out, that doesn't mean if you're having trouble, it's a sign that you don't have faith. I'm not saying that by no means. But I'm saying that it might not be the lack of your faith that got you into where you're at, but it's the strength of your faith that's going to pull you out of it. Okay, you might not have had any coming into it, but you hit a, how many of us have ever hit a spot where you were taking care of something yourself or you weren't supposed to be, but you were handling it yourself. And then all of a sudden, everything goes from bad to worse to completely decrepit, messed up and busted. And you're like, oh God, help, right? And you, you, because you handled it. And I want to talk to believers this morning. If, you're, if, you're, if you don't believe in Jesus, you'll definitely have a chance to get saved today. You can do it any, at any point. Just repentance. Godly sorrow works repentance. I believe in that. And the blood of Jesus will cover you. But I want to talk to those of you, and it's going to be an X factor. Whatever that thing is, you're going to feel it. I promise you. I felt it in my spirit as well. So um, the text that I'm going to read to you in John chapter 11 uh, it, it doesn't begin with the death of Lazarus. It begins in the first step of this five-step process that I'm going to talk about this morning. And all of us to move in greater faith, faith has to be tested in order for it to expand. Nobody likes stretching, right? Unless you're eating too much and you're stretching. <laughs> we enjoy that, right? Anybody can look on this stage and see that there is this Nice physique. I don't, I don't overeat at all. I, I, I eat the right stuff. Uh, Crystal gets on to me. It's like, I don't know what happens at 9 o'clock, but it's like there's this switch that comes on. It's like, what do we got? We, you open your, you open, we've said this before, but you open the cabinets, and they're full, but you, I ain't, we ain't got nothing to eat. What you're saying is, I want to go eat something else. I don't want anything in the house. I want to go pay for it. And Dave Ramsey says, no, can't do it, right? I don't know anybody's doing that, but anyway. Um, but... It's going to take something from you. There's some discipline in this whole process of a walk. But I want to read this this morning, and, and I'll, I'll kick off into that first step. In verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And, it was, it, it, and this was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So there is a relationship here, was what we see. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not meant for death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So there was a relationship, again. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed 
two days longer, made everybody mad and broken and busted and grieving of spirit in the place where he was. Anybody ever been in that place where you felt, God, where are you? Where you at? I've been praying. I've been seeking. Where you at? I want to use, I don't want to preach through the text as so as to pull point by point by point from scripture. I want to use this as a backdrop, okay? It's just literally going to be the backdrop because Mary and Martha represent you and me, all right? So again, this text doesn't begin with the death of Lazarus. It begins with what we see in relationship. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Mary and Martha. There was a relationship between them. He loved to hang out with them and that's really the first point that I want to tell you. This is the first step is relationship. I, I, how many of you understand the longer that you, work, you walk with the Lord, you walk with him and you build a history with God, um, that it's been said before that when you make history with God, he makes his story flow through your life and touch those around you because God's more interested in the relationship. He's not interested in the point by point by point by point. He's, you think, well, it's just the mundane day-to-day stuff. God is in those moments. It's hard for us to see it because our mind begins to drift, right? But here's a lot of people, and that probably won't be anybody in this room. I'm pretty sure it's everybody outside this, this church this morning, but other believers, we'll just put that. Many people are trying to exercise faith who don't have a relationship with God. The only time they come to God is in dire straits, dire needs, or in a crisis for him to get them out. All right, now, listen. I've been there. I may be the only one in the room that's been there, but how many of you have been there? It's like, I I just, it goes from bad to worse, and I, oh, God, get me out of this. But here's the thing. For those of us that take him from maybe Sunday to Sunday, or for some of us, once a month, Whenever we come to the church, the church is not your relationship. It's the fellowship to confirm the word that you've been hearing during the week while you've been praying yourself. Come on, you with me? But here's the problem with people that have no relationship with God. Well, we're believer in name only, but we don't have relationship. They've not built the infrastructure of relationship underneath their faith. When you see a strong person that stands in faith and moves in whatever it may be, whatever that, that thing in their life, you just, man, I'd love to see. You, first off is you don't know what they've walked through to get to where they are because there is hell to walk through whenever God begins to use a man or a woman greatly. There's a story behind that dance that you don't see. But there is behind that, behind that, that bold faith that you see, they're standing upon the shoulders of quiet trust and intimacy and relationship. There is an infrastructure to greater faith. It's not what you see is what you get. It's always deeper than that. That can go both ways, right? So they're using God as a vending machine because all, everything has hit the fan and everything is getting worse. And now we're crying out to, oh God, now if you've been that or if you're in that season, that's, it's okay, but it's, you've got to recognize it so you can move forward. Everything flows from relationship. That's what we see. It's the first step in this process. So where are you with Jesus? Where are you in your walk and your journey with the Lord? Is he a vending machine? Is he something that you only come to him when it gets bad? Is it only when you attend the church is whenever it's, it's, it's rock bottom and there's no other way but to look up? That's okay. We can do that. But I'm just asking you the question so you can confront. I want the Holy Spirit to confront some things, to convict you. It's healthy to have conviction. Be scared when you don't feel it. You with me? So they sent for Lazarus, but he didn't come. 
And guess what? Lazarus died. People invest in things they can trust, right? People invest in things that they can trust. You have certain ones that they're trying to get God to move for us, but we don't speak to him. We don't worship him. We don't serve him. We don't have a love for him. We don't seek him. And then in the time of trouble, we show up and say, okay, God, do something for me. And if he doesn't do it the way that you expect him to do, man, how arrogant it is, right? We get the nerve to have an attitude. Wow, can't even believe that, right? We have an Old Testament view of God. Well, he's not good. He's just, he's, I mean, everything that I'm, he's just teaching me a lesson. Crazy, huh? They even think that. They sin for Lazarus, and he's died. He's dead. Sometimes when you're waiting on God, hear me, sometimes when you're waiting on God, stuff dies. Sometimes the dream dies. But God, I can remember a time, I'm not even going to say the time frame, back in the past 20 years, where I got a word, I had the promise, and then I thought God was doing this because I started making God do, you can't do that, started making it fit into the narrative that I was wanting him to do. And then when it didn't unfold that way, there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of, I felt abandoned. But I didn't stop there because some people stop there at a place where they feel like God's left them and he's never done that. And you don't, when you can't feel him, you go back. Not you stay there, but when you feel those emotions, you got to go to scripture. That's the standard. That's your constitution you live your life by. And so I found myself going, but God, David said you're good. Your mercy endures forever. You're kind and compassionate. You love me. And then I begin to reorient myself, so to speak, or recalibrate my true north to align myself with the word in his presence. And then I had the correct perspective. And then we stepped into what we were supposed to step into. But you try to make him say what you're trying to make him say and think according to what he didn't build that. That was your mindset that built the... I know I'm talking a little bit in some, you know, metaphors and figurative language, but some of this stuff was literal. So anyway, but we have that nerve. I can't even believe God didn't move in the way that I thought he was going to. Sometimes when you're waiting on God to move, stuff begins to die. You know that Gabriel stands in the very presence of God? That's a very violent thing that you can do is wait on God. Because you wait, I've said this before, but you wait with a towel on your arm. It's not waiting, okay, God, when are you going to move? No, I sit and I wait. Gabriel stands in the very presence of God waiting for him to speak. You want to know why it's easy to wait in the presence of God? Because if you've seen him correctly, you understand how beautiful he is, and you don't mind to wait. It's all perspective. When you look at the earthly things, Paul said, and I didn't, mean to, I didn't say this in first service, but when you lift your eyes to the hills, there comes your help. Paul said, set your mind on things above. How do you set your mind on things above? Well, my job. No, no, no. No, scripture is the only way you can renew the mind anyway. You better get that relationship firm. That's the only way faith begins to expand, I promise you. So what do you do when you've done everything that you know to do and you sent for God to come? You sent for Jesus And it's like he forgot that, hey, the eviction notice is on the 10th of this month. And and he doesn't show up. I'm I'm honest. What do you do when when you've been asking him? In case you haven't figured out God has his own timetable, 
He don't dwell in time. He created it for you and I to, to live in because these bodies have an expiration date, but the promises don't. Every promise of God does not have an expiration date. It has a fulfillment But you have to put faith to believe that he is who he says he is. All of a sudden, in the story, things go from bad to worse. All of a sudden, in your life, things begin to go from bad to worse. And we move into a place, into the second stage of what is considered to be release. Just release. Release it. So many of us, if the situations we, I mean, we're white-knuckled, hanging on for dear life. Can I tell you something? The orphan spirit will work in you in such a way that you can't live like this. You live with clenched fist because you don't want nobody to take away anything that you got. Do you not understand that as a son or as a daughter, you live in kingdom, which means there's more than enough and there's abundance? But we, we struggle to trust the timing of God, so we clinch. Here's you another thing. That orphan spirit's nasty. God says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. What did he say? Jesus said, I'm coming to you. We're not orphans. Orphans compete. If you want to know if you've got an orphan spirit, check your heart. Orphans compete. Do you have a spirit of competition? Well, that's all in good faith. No, it's not. Orphans compete. I got to keep moving. All right, release. This is the stage where we simply let it go. Savannah Campus, I've told you guys plenty of times, how are we supposed to live our lives? With my hands open. Everything that I have belongs to God, and I'm a steward of what he's blessed me with. Finances, to relationships, to my family, it belongs to God. Does it really? Can you release it? Can you release this situation? But Pastor Ray J, you don't understand. I, I, it, there's something heroic about I started this mess and I, I, I just gonna, I'm going to have to ride the ship. I'm the captain. I got to ride it all the way down. No. No, wait, 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 wait. A situation you handled because you weren't supposed to grab a hold of it. You took it anyway. You thought I'll be the per- I'm the one. I'm the cat. I'm the father. I'm the, I'm the, the whatever. So I got to ride this thing into the ground. And so you take hold of it. Guess what happens? It goes from bad to worse and then it dies. That situation, I know this is going to be heavy, but I promise you we're going to try to get to the end and get you out of it. All right? I've done, God, I've done all that I know to do. It didn't work. You all prayed. I prayed. It, God, you didn't fix it. Here it is. I release it. I let go of it. And give it back to you. Here's the thing. Release is an important factor to growing in greater faith. And here's the reason why. Hear this. If you don't hear anything else, as long as you're holding on to the problem, God's not going to touch it. Hang on to it. He ain't going to touch it. Sorry for all you grammar teachers. He will not touch it. As long as you're prideful enough and arrogant enough to believe and privileged enough to think that you can handle it, you're never going to be eligible to receive the radical miracle work and power that God can do in you, through you, and in the situation. you got to see that I'm not eligible for this. This is above my pay grade. God, this belongs to you. This circumstance, is anybody kind of getting an idea of what that is in your life right now? I mean, is God, is the Holy Spirit kind of highlighting it, putting his finger on it? Just some nods, anybody? I'll just need three. I'm going to say, all right, good, we're good, we'll move forward. I want to get to the point to where I can, God, the Lord gives, 
and the Lord takes away, so I'm going to live like this. That's why I'm going to live like this is when it, when it begins to be ripped out of my hands that I'm, there's, there's no offense. Oh, I, I don't want to. You know that pastors, and I'm not going to give you a statistic, but pastors are really good at giving statistics, and I don't know where they come from. <laughs> I don't know if statisticians even know what the statistics are. But if you were to actually take some type of statistic in the American church, just the American church, maybe just in the state of Tennessee in churches, I wonder how much it would be of those that are sitting in our seats right now offended. Offended, hurt, rejected, feel abandoned. I'm not saying that whatever happened to you wasn't, wasn't right. I'm not. I get it. I've been offended too. Jesus said it's impossible that they're, they're going to come because they're coming, right? But offense always leads to unbelief. If you track that in Matthew 24, read it. It'll track you to very dangerous places. The problem is that people that are offended and live their lives that way, first off, is they're bitter and mean. Nobody wants to talk to them. Am I right? I don't mean to step. No, I do mean to step on your toes. I want to save your soul if I can. I can't save it. The Holy Spirit can, but through the word. If you're offended this morning, I'm sorry for whatever happened to you. I really am. I mean that. I'm sorry. But let me ask you a question. Do not raise your hands and don't say a word. All right? Do you have the right to be offended? Do you have the right to be offended? Let me give you an answer. No, you don't have a right. There's only one that had the right to be offended. And what did he say? His dying words on a cross. Father, anybody finish it? Forgive them. For humanity has no stinking clue what they're doing. Right? We do. So that's harder to live in forgiveness than it is to take unforgiveness and die physically because it'll eventually surely kill you. I know that's heavy, but I, I, gave, I feel to hone in on that a moment because somebody needs to hear that this morning. You can't live offended. You better release it. You release it. Let it go. Come on, say it. Say, release it. I'm releasing it, Pastor AJ. I'm not hanging on to it. I'm going to release it right now. You get to the point, if you don't release it, where you run out of resources. You don't have anything mentally anymore. You're fatigued. You're exhausted. And you're just thinking, man, I've done, God, I've done, but God's telling you, oh my gosh. He's not going to scream at you because he doesn't do that. God is not going to scream at you. Now, the enemy screams and the rest of the circumstances around you are screaming and the enemy's roaring because that's what he does. He roars like a lion looking to devour you and your bitterness and your struggle. And in that circumstance, well, you need to take the blame for this. You're the one. You're the one. You're the one. And you eat those words because you feel it. You feel guilty and you feel condemned. And, and there's no hope coming out of this thing when all of a sudden the father's standing over there and he's just saying, come here, come here, come here. And you're at a distance. You don't even sense it because you're, the, vo the voices are screaming him out. Can you imagine Mary and Martha? He didn't come. He, he's, he's our friend. We love him. He let Lazarus die. Why would he do that? Can you hear the voice of the enemy working? Yeah, you're right. He don't care anything about y'all. Yeah, you better hang on to that offense. Hang on to it. God's not good like he said he was. So many of believers are living their life like that right now, listening to the voice of the enemy because he screams. 
when the father's whispering. Why does he whisper? Church, why does he whisper? He wants me close. You got to come close. It's proximity. How do I come close to him? Worship. Scripture. Laying on my face, God, I don't have, I don't have any answers. I don't have any, but that's where I'm at at times. I don't have any answers for this situation, but God, help them, help me. And he whispers because he's a father that wants you to climb into his lap and listen. Hear life-giving words that can bring you back to life and, and actually put a passion back in your step again. Release it. That's what they did with Lazarus. They got to the point, they run out of resources, and Mary and Martha said, well, we just got to bury him. I don't know what else to do. We leave him sitting out here. He's fixed our stinking. <laughs> Let's get rid of him. So that's what they did. We can't heal him. We can't fix him. We prayed about it. It's gotten worse, and he's died, so we got to let it go. I got to let it go. So they buried him. See, whenever you've got a problem and you can't fix it, you go into the third phase of this process, and you roll the stone over the emotions, and you bury. Well, you can't leave Lazarus sitting on the couch, right? Dude's fixing to get stiff. Rigor mortis is setting in, and he's fixing to start stinking, right? So we got to get rid of him. We're going to have to bury him. So many of us, because of the situations and the circumstances, we take the emotions, we take the junk, because it stinks, and we just push, push, and we're ticking time bombs. Because we haven't dealt with it. This is how we begin to manage the messes that we can't fix. We cover it up. Uh, don't, I know. Don't look at me that way. I know I'm getting a harsh look on this second service. Because some people are like, well, wait, well, yeah, I'm, cover it up. I'm holy, sanctified. I'm saved. I'm baptized. Filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm good, Pastor. You know what I'm saying? It's like we know all the language to say and we come into our churches, but we never get freedom. God's wanting you to live free. Kingdom brings wholeness. Kingdom brings freedom. There's a joy that comes with the kingdom. And, and I, I, listen, I've been there too. It's like I told you a while ago, you take a situation, you think you're supposed to handle it because you authored the problem, right? Anybody ever been the author of a problem? And it's like, oh, man, how do I? And you try to be loyal to it and like, oh, I'll just work. But it just goes from bad to worse. And you finally have to just give up and say, I'm, look, I, I, I have messed this thing up so bad. But... Here's the thing. There's times that we've all done that what we know to do, we believed as far as we know how to believe, and the problem is still stinking. And when something starts stinking, for the survival sake of your own emotions and mental, so you don't have a mental breakdown, you take it, toss it into a tomb, and roll a stone over it and cover it up and be done with it. We bury it. How many people can't find freedom because they bury emotions? They bury the problems of the past. Regardless if it was, if it was done to you and you didn't, there was nothing you could do, we still don't confront it. I'm not talking about going to the person if you can't. Here's, here's, here's you a little, um, here's you, I'm trying to think of the word to say. I don't know what it is, but here's you something. Here's you a hack. Here's a Sunday morning message hack. It takes one to forgive, but it takes two to reconcile. If there's an unwillingness to reconcile, so be it. But at least forgive because you can't get into heaven if you don't. I'm telling you. How many believers sit on our seats? They worship and they sing it down, but they have so much unforgiveness. They can't forgive anybody. And therefore, they think, well, I'm still going to heaven. No, you're not. Not according to scripture. But we always judge people by sins we don't struggle with. Oh, let that sink in. Just a little. Ooh, let it sink in. 
Pastor Eddie, say it one more. You, we people, not us, wait, everybody outside this church, always judge people by sins they don't struggle with. Oh, you say, but you got a gossip problem. I got a slander problem. No, I, no, I didn't me. I'm just telling the truth. I love what Bishop T.F. Tenney says. He says, the reason why that in the Bible it talks about backbiters because it couldn't find a knife <laughs> to be a backstabber, right? Be cautious to what you release from your mouth. Word curses. Be cautious. I don't know if that's amenable, but I'm, I'm, I feel like it's pretty good. I'm, I'm preaching myself under conviction. I may be in the altar when this thing's over with. How about that, all right? I'll lead the charge. I've heard people say, well, I can't go to church. I ain't going to that church. They got a bunch of hypocrites in there. And Pastor Eddie always says, well, hey, come on. One more is not going to hurt anything, <laughs> right? Come on. Every one of us has got something that we're kind of hypocritical about, maybe in some aspect of our, our past at least. All right. I know there's some health nuts in here. Can you tell I'm a health nut? I, I mean, I'm. Miss Joyce Bean brings this stuff. I don't know what it is. Some type of strawberry truffle. And I'm sorry, the staff just missed out on the whole vat. But it, it came to me. It was a blessing. And, uh, you know, you used to be, when I was in high school, playing sports and all that stuff, man, me and a friend of mine, we would go hit Dodge Store up at 2.30 in the morning. I don't know what we're doing up at 2.30. It's what you do when you're in high school. You're just crazy. You stay up all hours of the night, and you think you can go to class the next day, and then you fall asleep. Anyway, there's a just, it just trends down. But anyway, we used to go to Dodge Store, get a six-piece chicken strip, two rolls, four of the old-school honey mustard sauce somebody that was really awesome, a big, huge, not a two-liter, but it was close. Mountain Dew uh, and, and then some of those other things that Little Debbie Cakes Eat the fire out of it And get up the next morning and Be like man I ain't got to worry about nothing I am just as slim trim And I mean just go about your day But now Miss Joyce brought that in I opened the top and smelt of it And I gained five pounds Right there in the moment So I just smell it And I'm gaining weight But we got some health nuts In the room And I'm sure But you know there's been some times when you've kind of broken that joker and you've, well, I'm going on vacation. You don't tell them, oh, we eat good, clean, healthy, and all that stuff. Go on vacation, you slide off to some type of creamery or some ice cream joint. You, you, you slip one in, a little bit hypocritical, but you slip one in ever so often. I, I, tell, I told you a while ago, it's like 9 o'clock. I don't know what it is. There's just this switch that goes off. I'm looking for something in the fridge and just, I, can't, I, I don't know. There's just nothing there. I feel like I need to go order a pizza or something. But, but we have those moments, I say all that, to say that we have our moments where we fall into that place and we can be a little bit hypocritical according to what we stand for from time to time. We all make those mistakes. We've all got some type of contradiction in our life. We look at this story and, and Martha begins to come to Jesus and she's lashing out. Martha was the sister that just straight up, she said what she felt. She walked up to him and she, she, you know, she's the one that also went up to Jesus whenever Mary was at his feet at his house and Jesus is teaching and she's in the kitchen making sandwiches. Jesus, you tell my sister to get in that kitchen and help me whip these sandwiches up, right? She's that sister. Well, she comes to Jesus and she says, look, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. So you can see the hurt. Jesus can feel the intensity, no doubt, behind what she's saying. And he's broken in heart, no doubt. She said, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But here is number four, revelation. She gets a revelation. 
Then she begins to speak and say, even now, but even now, Lord God, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will do. She begins to get a revelation of the miracle, wonder-working power of Jesus and said, even now, I don't know who you are in the room that struggles and maybe you're in a place of where you've just, but God, if you would have just done this, it would have whatever, but you can stand in the face of that X factor and you can say, but even now, God, I know that you are able to speak a word, just speak the word and that mountain will move. The, the oceans and the stars, they stand in awe of you. You have a revelation of the power of God because you're connecting back to relationship and you understand that you've released it to him and now that he's come to say I need the stone to go you roll the stone back and say all right come and confront it because you're able I remember there was a season of my life that I can remember some of my uncles in a prayer closet and I, I didn't say this first service but this is where it came they just begin to uh, my uncle well anyway two of them begin to just declare back and forth in a dark room in a basement in a church basement praying and declaring God you're able God you are able God you are able you're able and I remember just sitting there off of those words I just began to weep as I was knelt down in one of those little metal metal seats and I just began to cry and I don't even know why I was crying I guess it just brought a revelation to me that there's nothing impossible with him but am I willing to walk that faith walk with him and be faithful and just trust release it to him and say God you are able God you are able I understand that COVID came and this happened and that happened and I lost my job and inflation but you're still a provider and God, you're able. I don't know. Listen, I believe that God, stand to your feet for just a moment. I, want, I don't, we, we, we ain't been used to this. Some of you haven't. But I want you to take about 10 seconds or so and lift your hands to the Lord and just declare, God, you're able. God, you are able. You are able. Nothing's impossible to him that believes. You are able to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all that I can ask or think, envision, imagine. You are the ancient of days you are El Shaddai the Lord God Almighty you are the God to whom which you provide in every season of every part of life I will bear fruit in every season as the psalmist says I am the head and I am no longer the tail some of y'all are still liking the view that you have from the tail view you like you like being at the tail end and God says I'm trying to take you to the front something's got to shift the view's got to change there's a glory that God wants to release to the house of God, but he's looking for hunger. He's looking for passion. He's looking for greater faith. Greater faith. Come on, say greater faith. Greater faith. More, more, more now. More, now. Pastor Tony, more now, more now, more now. Be seated for just a moment. More now. I still believe, God, you're able to move in this situation. I still believe. With all of my heart, the best is yet to come. The church is not growing weaker. She's growing uh, brighter. She's growing stronger. God, you're, you're, you're awakening people. Not to just attend a church on a Sunday, Wednesday, and special event. If you're not going to believe God, why come to church? Well, I hadn't, Pastor. Okay, sorry. If you're not going to believe him, why come? If all your God can do is the stuff you can conceive, why serve him? You don't have a God. 
you have a God that's called you. He can fit in that logical mind. Oh, think about going back to renewing the mind because I feel like that's what God's saying to us right now. It's, just, it's a continual thing. I know I'm going over. We'll get there. But somebody's going to come out of your, somebody's, something's coming out of the grave today. Alive. A dream that has been dead. I'm telling you, somebody, something's coming, that X factor's coming to life. I feel it. I feel passion exuding from here. Paul is talking about, he's the one that begins to connect the spiritual intelligence to the believer. And he says that, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. There's a lot of us that are there. We're conformed to patterns of the world system. You can't be a believer and be conformed to patterns of the world and expect to live a godly life. You can't. You got to remove stuff. Got to stop doing some things. Not out of, I have to. It's because you're in love. If you're not in love, you don't have relationship. That's the first part of this process. But he says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind so that you can prove the will of God, so that you can understand it, right? There has to be a renewing of the mind. Why? I'll say it. I said it last Sunday. We'll say it again. You know that your mind is beginning to be renewed whenever the impossible situations start looking logical. Oh, yeah, God can do that. I can see that happen. Person's dying with cancer? No, God can do it. Because you're pouring yourself into Scripture, and it's getting into you. It's crazy because when you, you read Scripture to, to read it, but all of a sudden when something happens, Scripture starts flowing out of your mouth. That's how you know you're being read by Scripture. Because the Spirit's taking hold, and it's flowing from your mouth. Your mind's renewed. You gotta do, yeah, you got to do that. God ain't going to show up and just snap his finger and... Benny hen you and blow on you and it's going to change. AJ, if you would. Greater faith says, yeah, he's stinking and it's a mess. But even now, God can. The challenge of the believer is to take the faith that you're getting right now in this moment and take it back to where you have been burying stuff emotionally and mentally and put this word on it. You got to put your word on it. Put the word on it. Because here's the thing. There, there's, a, there's a peace in quitting. Does anybody know that? Like you come into something with a high expectation, right? Have high expectations. And then we hit a point to where all of a sudden that... Uh, that it's like, man, stuff doesn't work out the way I'm expecting it to. And you're mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally invested in it because you believed in it, right? Remember, you, people only invest in things that they trust. So I'm, I'm invested. But all of a sudden, when everything goes from bad to worse, I'm, I'm done. I quit. I can't, I can't do it anymore. There's a piece to it. And then we get hurt, we get offended, and then we start bleeding and lashing out and releasing word curses. You ain't going to be nothing. Your daddy wasn't ever anything. Granddaddy wasn't nothing. Whole thing wasn't nothing. It ain't ever going to be anything. Why? Because we don't, want, we don't like the pain of expectation, right? There's a pain to expectation. That's why it's important to have healthy ones and not bad ones. Sometimes we say things like, and you probably say, I've said it too, it's never going to get any better. 
or that's just how it is. It's how it's going to be. But that's how it is. Never got anything out of a grave and settled with it, right? But even though that you can feel like this bubbling hope up inside of you, you're ready to shout, this message might bother you a little bit because you really don't want to put this message on that thing that got it, that, that you buried because you don't want to stir that up again because you don't want to go through all those feelings again, right? You got to rehash it. And then that's where Jesus shows up when he's talking with Martha and he says, show me where you laid him. He says, show me, show me. He's wanting you to take him to the spot. And that's where the stone you rolled over to close it is rolled back for this last point, and it's called restoration. I've been working to get to this point. God can't restore it if you're not willing to roll back the stone where you've buried all that stuff and dare to believe again. It takes greater faith to roll the stone back on your issue, but you'll never get restoration until you're willing to confront the stinky stuff. Right? You got you to confront those things. Here's the challenge to greater faith is to take the word, I'll reiterate it, that I'm speaking to you right now and take it to that thing. Jesus comes to the tomb and it's rolled away and the people begin to gather. Jesus could have simply thought Lazarus back to life. He could have just... And then all of a sudden, Lazarus is coming out of the grave, right? But he said, for the sake of those that are around us, read the text. For the sake of those that are around us and so that the Son of God can be glorified in you, I command, Lazarus, come out. He began, Lazarus, come out. And then there's a silence. Hold on, AJ, stop for one moment. There's a silence. That's the moment where the silence becomes deafening in our lives. Whenever we made the declaration, we prayed, and we're still waiting for an answer. Lazarus, come out. Come out. And then there's this pause. But all of a sudden, That thing that you allowed the Lord to come in, correct, heal, and confront, and then resurrect the dream out of it comes hopping out of a tomb. I'm not going to do that. But it comes hopping out of a tomb, tied with grave clothes. Hearts beating, breathing. The stench is gone. And God begins to work a work in your life because this is what he does. He comes to restore with the palmer worm, the canker worm, and the locusts have devoured. God's looking to restore. God wants to restore. And he redeems. And you understand when God resurrects something, it's always much different than what it looked like previously. And it's always better than what you could ever have thought. He's into redemption. And he wants to restore. Stand to your feet for just a moment. I understand I've preached a while, but this thing has been burning in me, so I have to get it out. 
forgive me. I want to pray for some people really quick, and then we've got an awesome baptism. Father, in your name, close your eyes, if you would, just to focus on him. Father, in the name of Jesus, somebody in this room don't know you, and they need a relationship with you. So right now, if you don't know him, I've preached him the best that I can in some aspects of this, but I want to tell you that he came to give you life, eternal life. If you don't know him right now, just acknowledge it by lifting your hand so I can pray with you. If you're not saved, let me know right now. I'm not calling you to the front. I just want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, move over the, over the hearts of these people and bring restoration. You bring restoration. Hearts, minds, will, emotions, mental faculties bring healing into these broken areas of their life. Thank you, King Jesus, for saving us. You are amazing. And I pray for those that need restoration this morning with bleeding hearts, hemorrhaging hemorrhaging wounds that needs healing right now. Come on, let the Lord heal and move over you. Just right now, put your hands out in front of you. And just as a just like you would be receiving something, just receive. Father, I receive. I receive. I receive it. I receive restoration. I receive healing. My mind, will, and emotions. Kingdom of God, flow over for me right now. Mind, mind, will, and emotions. And even to those areas for those of you that are struggling with unforgiveness. Come on, release it. Give up those people that wounded you. That circumstance where you feel condemnation for what you did. God has forgiven you. You've asked him for it, but you haven't forgiven yourself. God, I forgive myself today. And I receive wholeness. The name of Jesus.